Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. Well, to be honest with you, I can't tell you where we are. They won't tell me. For some strange reason, they don't trust me. So we'll just have to say that we're at an undisclosed location at NASA Kennedy Space Center. We were going to interview Tracy Gill, Deputy Project Manager for the Habitat Demonstration Unit. Due to circumstances beyond our control, we couldn't conduct that interview. Tracy, however, came through big and delivered interviews with Dr. Carlos Calle of the, what I like to call the Magic Space Dust Removal Program and Dr. Ray Wheeler, who's a plant biologist who's learning all the great things you can do with plants in space. And I'm going to try to find out exactly where we are. We're here with Dr. Carlos Calle, and we're talking about the dust mitigation system. Now, I worked with your teammates out at Desert Rats, where they explained the dust mitigation system, but apparently there's a lot more to the system that I didn't know. So kind of explain to me what you do here. We've been working uh, with this technology for seven years now, and we started to develop a way to remove dust from solar panels on, on Mars. Mars being a dusty planet, there's a big problem with dust uh, accumulating on solar panels. And so that was our first approach to this technology. Uh, and so let me, let me show yeah, you actually say, what. what are, yeah, what are some examples? Some examples, like? yeah. The one that we tested at Desert Rats, we have two panels here. Okay. To demonstrate that we could remove dust from the, the windows that we attached to the door, as you remember, right. out there, there's exactly. a rat, to demonstrate that we can maintain that hatch clean so that when the rovers mate with the habitats, before the doors are open, we need to clean Clear these, the yeah. these things before, so that we don't have dust in the habitat. This particular type of panel contains two sets of electrodes, which are like sets of fingers interlaced, and mm -hmm. uh, we apply a signal which is uh, out of phase. And okay. so we apply the signal to this electrode and, and then to that one, then back to this, and then to this. So one, two, one, two, one, two. And the reason you do that is if you just sent the signal once, it would lift the dust, but then the dust would settle back, back right back, back down. Right back down, exactly. And so this is the way to make it walk. I really expected this to be more like a little shop of horrors, uh, and there's no dirt here. So I was kind of wondering, what, what do you actually do in the lab with plants? In this case, we're doing preliminary setups of some plant growth approaches that we think might work in space, like on the International Space Station. And then we'll do follow-up tests uh, in controlled environment chambers, larger chambers where we can set the plants out and control the temperature and the light intensity. If you think about space, you have certain constraints. You have to contain water, for example. How do you water a plant in, in weightlessness? It's not a trivial issue, and so you have to be able to contain that and come up with techniques to provide water to the roots. And I, I noticed that you were able, earlier, you were changing the color of the light. In this case, we're using LEDs, light-emitting diodes. Uh, as you know, light-emitting diodes, LEDs, usually have very discrete colors. That's just uh, intrinsic to their nature. So we've used combinations of them to, to make different spectral composition comparisons. You actually can grow a plant 
with only one color, red? Yes, you, you can. Red light is, is a good light source for photosynthesis. Uh, chlorophyll absorbs it so that it drives the photosynthetic reactions. But if you use red light only, the plants tend to be leggy and uh, stretched leggy. out. Leggy. <laughs> I've uh, never heard of a plant referred to as leggy. But if you add some blue light, they behave much more normally in terms of their morphology. They, they stay more compact and normal looking. And another thing is you need blue light to orient the plants toward the direction of light. And that's important in space because you, you don't have a gravitational clue anymore for the plants to grow against the gravity. So you have to orient them with light and you need blue light to do that. This is one that we developed to protect optical systems, camera lenses, it's just and a so on. Piece of glass, and, and it's a piece of glass, but it has transparent, oh. transparent oh, electrodes, which have a, a different configuration. We have three of those. In this particular case, when we wrap them around in, mm -hmm. in a circle like that, mm -hmm. then we have an electric field that radiates out, gotcha. and so it's like, like ripples on a pond. Right, because if you otherwise you could create pockets that where the dust wouldn't move, right. so you kind of have to work that way. So I have the same panel that I showed you earlier down here in this, oh, in this box. Oh, so you have, a, you have an example. So we have a brush that we can use to deliver the dust to simulate exploration activities on the moon that would kick up dust. So we I'm adding Actually, a lot of dust. You are adding a lot of dust. I'm feeling uncomfortable, like you're besmirching uh, the test article. Have you ever added too much and been unsuccessful with your test? Actually, yes. <laughs> you can, you can, you, if you pile it up. I mean, actually, it it it, it works eventually. But Over it takes time, a little yeah. Longer. Okay, it takes a little longer. Now you're gonna just throw a switch. So I'm gonna throw a switch and activate the okay. three electrodes. Oh wow! And so it uh, it throws oh, wow. the dust That's to the periphery of the, uh, where the electrode... Uh, it, it looks computer-generated. I mean, it, right. and oddly, it seemed to work inward. So there's, so there's not a lot of carryover. You know, once they get away from the electrodes, That's the it. dust settles again. Yeah. Now, what would happen if you drop dust now? We can do that. Really? It we won't... can do that. <laughs> Are you sure? We, we keep it running, and we can uh, drop dust on it, and uh, we'll see what happens. It actually deflects it. it yeah, it won't it stay on. As a shield, and so it repels oh, it. Oh yeah! Even oh, if you wow. drop large amounts of it, um, it just deflects it. Well, why do you need to do more testing? Because this looks 100% successful in, in my untrained eye. It it is very successful, but it it is at a small scale okay. still. For desert rats, we scale it up to for this configuration, an eight by ten and a nine inch diameter a secular panel for the window. This year, we're going to try to see if we can cover the entire hatch, which is about a two and a half by four feet door. One of the factors that we are trying to incorporate into our testing and our strategies is to choose plants that are high in antioxidants. Those are compounds that can repair damage in your cell tissue, your DNA, if there's radiation damage, for example. So can we add foods, fresh foods, to the diet that could serve as a radiation countermeasure? It's a high radiation environment, and so the astronauts are exposed to this. 
can we augment the diet with something that would give them a, a measure of protection uh, in, in living in, the, in that environment? As the missions go farther and stay longer, then of course if you can begin to expand these systems, now you can generate oxygen, you can remove and reduce the carbon dioxide, and you could couple wastewater treatment systems with the plants as well. So you could, you could do multiple life support functions as you begin to scale these up. Well, it's funny, as important as I think plants are to the aesthetics of living, it seems like there are lots of ways that strategically they can be used to help the astronauts. All the oxygen we're breathing right now on the surface of the Earth was generated through photosynthesis. Well, if we play our cards right, maybe we'll create an atmosphere on Mars. <laughs> maybe. There's maybe the day thinking. will come. Yeah, then, then maybe I can move there. I'm sure a lot of people would be happy about that. One other rumor, and you can either confirm or deny that this is true, one thought is you'd like to uh, incorporate this technology even within clothing, i.e. a space suit. Right. Is, and is that true? And so we, yeah, we have, okay. we have uh, done some work. Okay. And, oh yeah, uh, it's very So this is, an, this is actually a piece of cotton, and uh, the electrodes are made of carbon nanotubing, Mm -hmm. that was actually developed in our uh, polymers lab here at KSC. Wow. Uh, we tested these uh, in air and at vacuum wow. successfully. Awesome. And so the next step, of course, is to go from cotton to a more representative material for spacesuits, and that is the challenge. If this technology works, maybe they can reconsider, like, cotton dockers up there in space. A hundred percent cotton dockers. As a matter of fact, I'd like a pair of cotton dockers with this on. That'd be, I'd be really hip and dust-free. Well, very good. Thanks so much for your time. Well, and uh, you, My pleasure. You're watching NASA Edge, an inside and outside look at all things NASA, completely dust-free. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This welcome. is awesome. I, I can't believe you can keep the dust off there perpetually. And just, it's great. <laughs>